best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Talking Halos. I'm your host today, Jared Timms, and I'm joined alongside my co-host, my partner in crime, Nate Green. Nate, this is normally when I say, hey, like, you know, forget about it. I'm not going to talk to you for a second, but I'm actually going to let you introduce uh, introduce our host and kind of take it away today. Yeah. So go ahead. Yeah. So a good friend of mine, um, he wrote for the Memphis, uh, the Daily Memphis, correct? Daily Memphian, still do. Yep. Commercial yes. Field. And uh, had, a, had a Hall of Fame vote, had a Heisman vote, um, used to cover the Cardinals and uh, big Royals fan, Don Wade. How are we doing, Don? I'm well, Nate. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Yeah, we're excited. Um, again, thank you for being here. Don used to uh, used to have a Hall of Fame vote, and we just with the Hall of Fame coming out today, we really wanted to get some insight on what it looked like for uh, someone who had a vote, and you know what that process looked like. So, thank you again for being on. Yeah, it's you know one thing that not everybody may know is you can vote for up to ten players each year, but you don't have to vote for anybody. Like you can literally turn back a blank ballot. And uh, I never did that, but one year, and it was not the year he was elected. I only voted for one player and it was Andre Dawson. Yeah. 
And it kind of speaks to almost how ridiculous my standards were the first couple of years I voted. I just, I mean, I kind of started like, you know, are you Hank Aaron, Willie May, (laughs) Bob Gibson? uh, You know, and if you're not, then it may be tough for you to get past me. Um, But in Andre Dawson's case, uh, you know, he had an arm that if you didn't see him play, he had an arm that rivaled Roberto Clemente's arm. It was that good. And he was a great combination of power and speed, which for me in that era growing up when I did, uh, I'm a little older than uh, than Nate and, and Jared, just a touch. Uh, that was everything to be that power speed guy, which, of course, that's what Mays and Aaron mm-hmm. were, right? That combination. And, and that's who Andre Dawson was in the 300-300 club. So for me, he was... He was an easy yes. And then as time went on, I, I finally loosened up a little bit. A yeah, little. So let, let's talk a little bit about like, what was your voting process? You said it was very tight early. How did it start to loosen up? Like what were specifics that you look for? I know when Jared and I talk about like who, who we would vote for, if we had a vote, like some of it comes down to war. Some of it comes down to like milestones. Did they hit 500? Um, did they steal X amount of bases, these kind of things? Like what was the big deal for you when you were voting? Yeah. And when I was voting, war was kind of this new funky stat, right? Uh, You know, I was, most of the time I was covering the game, I was pretty much, you know, home runs, RBIs, batting average, you know, kind of guy on the offensive players. But I did look at the numbers. I looked at, you know, what they did in their era. And for me, a couple of things that mattered and how I would separate guys. And and here's a good example. Um, Like closers, I think, are difficult in general. In some ways, they're almost like field goal kickers in the NFL. They're so specialized. I kind of would look at them with a little bit of a, a skeptical eye. But you know, if you have somebody like Mariano Rivera, not only are the numbers there, but he was crucial to a bunch of championship teams, right? Mm-hmm. So that puts him over the bar easily. I think it's tougher, like to take a guy on the ballot this year, somebody like Billy Wagner. I probably would have voted for him this year, but a couple of the reasons are he he checked another box for me when I was doing this, and that is did they dominate to the point that they caused the opposing team to change the way they played and managed mm. the game? And Billy Wagner absolutely yeah. did that. You did not want a left-handed hitter who was not a certified stud to be facing Billy Wagner late in a game that mattered, you know? Um, and he was clearly an anti-steroid guy, which is another big thing for me. In fact, you may have seen comments from him over the years where he took it as a compliment that other guys – had to cheat to try to compete against him like that. That really checks a big box with me. I love that. That's that is true. That's really, really cool. So um, speaking of this year's ballot, we know Scott Rowland was inducted. Congrats to Scott Rowland. I know um, being from that area and a Cardinals fan and Royals fan, like that's probably, that's probably something really, Not really cool a Cardinals you. fan. Let's kind of set that. in the organization that I know well, and I yes. wish them well, but I'm not exactly a Cardinals fan. Okay. <laughs> Cardinals fan in the family. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Scott Rowland, I know, I know you liked him decently enough. So speaking of this ballot, is there anyone that you would have voted for? I know you mentioned Wagner. Uh, would you have voted Roland Helton like Andrew Jones? Who on this ballot like kind of is someone that you're like, yeah, I would have voted for these eight guys. 
I devoted Scott Rowland and Jared and I were talking a little bit before you uh, got here. And to me, he's not like a, a super easy slam dunk. Yes, but he it's kind of I've always looked at it this way for the Hall of Fame to mean anything. You've got to have a bunch of players who are very good standing on the step outside, knocking, trying to get in and you can't let them in. But that also means that just inside the door, you've got a few people that just kind of slip in by the skin of your teeth. To me, that's Scott Rowland. He was a good offensive player. He was not a dominant offensive player. He was the best defensive third baseman I saw play over a length of time who also mattered offensively. I could give you a couple of obscure guys from years ago that were better defensively, but they were so inconsequential offensively. Who cares, right? When When you're having a Hall of Fame conversation uh Andrew Jones I would not have voted for um you can go to his career batting average which is like 254 or you can do the before and after pictures like we do with Sosa and McGuire and say oh he (laughs) jumped up and hit what 51 home runs all of a sudden or whatever it was and like okay that doesn't pass the eye test for me (laughs) Helton would you avoid Todd Helton or would or did the cores effect take into a category with a couple of guys that I didn't vote for initially and eventually came around to voting for that played in earlier eras? Uh, one was a pitcher, Burt Blylevin. I didn't mm. initially vote for him, and I kind of dug back into his career, considered that when he was playing, he was unquestionably always the best pitcher on his team. One of those guys that hitters hated to face was always considered to have the best curveball in the American League for about as long as he played. Alan Trammell was another one Mm. because I had to take a second look at his stats within, like, what did they mean in the 1980s before steroids came in and shortstops became something other than the shortstops I had grown up with? You know, you got to keep in mind, I'm old enough that when I was coming up, you know, somebody like Louis Aparicio, you know, who – probably couldn't take you or me in a fight, Nate, you know, was a, <laughs> was a great shortstop. And, you know, he weighed 150 pounds and hit like one home run every three years. Yep. Something crazy like that. And then it started to change and Trammell was in that time in between. And he was an incredible gamer too. I mean, he was a winning player. If uh, you can appreciate this as a coach, Nate, if, if you were going to ha- make a list of people you wanted to manage, like, Alan Trammell, just like Andre Dawson, is mm. one of those guys you'd be blessed to manage. That's awesome. Qu- question on top, um, question on top yeah, of that one. So you you bring up defense, really interested in, in that side of stuff. Because Roland, you mentioned defense first, not a great bat. Where do you stand on a guy like Ozzy Smith? Good bat, Ozzie, not great, but good. Yeah, yeah, good bat. Like not not a number like three hitter, not Mike Trout, anybody like that. But like, where do you stand on a guy like? Ozzy Smith, like me and Nate didn't get to Ozzie see Smith, play. Omar Vizquel. Yeah, those those, those type of guys. guys who are defense first, you know, even like an Andrew Jones type of guy who is arguably sabermetrically advanced stats speaking well, one of the best defenders. Yeah, that, that's that's a great that's a great question. So to me, Ozzy, I'm going to you knew I was going to do this, Nate. I'm going to bring in a Kansas City Chief reference. Yes. It's in some ways Ozzy Smith did as a shortstop in that era for baseball what Patrick Mahomes has done as a quarterback for football and that he just did things that we really hadn't seen before. That's why he was called the wizard of Oz. He, he was the guy that, you know, made it cool to put that 
stamp of flesh on your game, but you never felt like it cost him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. not talking about, we all can name guys from teams that we follow. Uh, that your like, boy, Javi Bias is that way, where he was like, he would make the <laughs> Super Bias Bowl play. Javi Bias into would... the Hall of Fame without a ticket, just like us, right? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, like, it's one thing to have flash and to carry that mustard with you at all times. And then it's another thing to have that flash and carry the mustard and be Reggie Jackson or Ozzie Smith, right? Like you kind of have the right to do that, you know, because <laughs> you're that that good. Uh, Omar Vizquel is a guy I wish I've obviously seen him play. I wish I could say that, like, I watched him play every day for a year or two. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I, I think I'd have an easier time making a judgment on him. Yeah, That's fair. That's good to hear. I, I always wonder where people stand like defensively, because I know it's not as valued as stand as the bat or as valued as the pitch. Almost defense almost is like a you know a reliever in a sense, I think, where some people value it. You know, it's today, like, today, today it definitely is. And yeah. see, that's one of those things back in, you know, I'm not gonna lie, I, I loved the game more 30 years ago or whatever than I do today. And you just hit on one of the reasons because defense matter it was you know before we got to the steroids era you couldn't just stand out there at shortstop and and you know kind of be a statue because you were going to put up the numbers you had to actually cover the ground you had to make the double play that wasn't automatic you know and I missed that about the game you know we've lost some of that yeah Yeah. and it was and there wasn't the you go stand in this spot. He's going to hit the ball there thirty percent, forty percent of the time. Yeah. <laughs> right. You actually yeah, had to. You decide. actually had to be athletic and make a play. Yeah, yeah. it'll be interesting next year to see. But off topic there. Sorry. Well, well you bring up a great point because who moved people around? You know, a hundred years ago when I was a kid. <laughs> you know, I tell you who moved people around. It was like the shortstop or center fielder yep. or catcher yeah. on the field who was a veteran and just had that memory bank and. Like he knew that this guy was okay against this type of pitcher. If I call this pitch, he's hitting it between short and third. If it's on the ground, you can just bank on it. Right. And it, it wasn't all these charts and all of that. It was because you paid attention. I, yeah. you know, I, sorry, I, I sound like I covered Ty Cobb and I'm just about <laughs> old enough that I did, but no, no I like I, it. I gotta, sometimes you miss those things. Yeah. You know, I, I like it. I mean, we grew up playing in that era and now we've, kind of you know not really i guess in that era but like you know in the that era. was the style of game that we yeah. played david you know, x like, like david Eckstein, the darren earth yeah. go run through a wall type of thing you know that's how a lot of people are taught to play instead of go hit home runs now and you know the flashy you know like all oh, this guy's gonna it's a lefty so he's gonna pull the ball 50 percent the time this yeah. you know so when you mentioned Eckstein. so here's a confession uh, something i did with my hall of fame ballot when i started i said i wouldn't do but the last year I was voting, I knew it was the last year I was voting and I'd never used all 10 of my votes. And I decided I'm going to take a hard look at the ballot and see if there are guys I like. Like, I don't think they're a Hall of Famer, but I'm going to if I like them and I'm sure I feel confident they didn't juice. I'm going to give them a vote because they'll forever have another vote that they got that year in the Hall of Fame. So Don Mattingly was from Evansville, Indiana, and I worked as a sports columnist in Evansville for about seven years. And I got to know him decently well while he was playing, covered his uh, jersey retirement at Yankee Stadium when they did that. Um, And so I voted for him on my last ballot, just kind of as a tip of the cap for being the ultimate professional. And I could tell you stories, but I won't, that I know that most people don't, that make me respect him even more. Um, 
And so I, I gave him that vote and uh, I feel good about it. But if I was going to keep voting year after year, I, I might not have gone that way. That's fair. And I mean, borderline Hall of Famer for some. So yeah. I mean, it's, it's not, not like, it's it's not like that, you voted uh, for someone that had no business being there. No, he, he's that very, very good player knocking on the, the outside of the door. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Sorry to go it's, off topic there, Nate. Yeah, no, no. That, that's what this is it. for. Like, this yeah, is funded. This is funded because mm-hmm. he's he's been and seen so much. It's fun to ask him these kind of questions. So, uh, is there anyone going back that you're like, man, I wish I would have voted for him, or I should have voted for him, or is no? You you kind of. I mean, to it was just had. it took like Trammell and Bly Levin that it took me a while to vote okay. for him. I had. You know, I because I had kind of this initial idea, like, yes, really good players. I, you know, uh, but then when I dug into it a little bit more and kind of compared them to guys in their era, and I think that's really important that you compare people mm-hmm. within their era because everything's so different. I mean, uh, I grew up when Brooks Robinson was considered the best defensive third baseman who ever lived, and he was really good. No, no question. You know, he was really good. There was also this guy named Aurelio Rodriguez that played for the Tigers that couldn't have hit a slider if you gave him 100 chances <laughs> to. And he was the best defensive third baseman in baseball for several years by a wide margin. And he only won one gold glove because of Brooks Robinson. And so then, you know, you go to the next set of 10 years and the next set and the athletes get better, just like in every sport, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, once upon a time, we didn't hadn't seen anything that looked like Michael Jordan. And, and it's the same thing. And I think it shows up in baseball more defensively, right? You know, what would the highlights on ESPN have looked like in the 1960s yep. compared to the athletes that could have? That's fair. I never even thought about that. That's that's a good question. Um, last one, I'll turn this over to Jared and let him ask a couple of questions. But last one for me, who is the easiest guy you, you vote for? I think I think you mentioned Andre Dawson, but like – is there someone that you're like, oh, he was no brainer, easiest guy I ever voted for for a Hall of Fame? I think it actually is Andre Dawson. Um, that power speed combination, you know, really meant a lot to me. And I, and I, you know, on the instructions, you know, you're supposed to consider character and yeah. all of those things. You know, some people don't. You know, the the people that are, in my opinion, the people that are voting for Bonds and Sosa. And the rest of that crowd every year, they're they're not considering the things they should be considering. But, you know, Andre Dawson was, uh, you know, pretty much above reproach besides being a great player. And, and you you never got to vote for any of your favorite players, correct? Like no uh, Royals that were like Hall of Famers. You never got to vote for any of them, right? Yeah, the, the list of Royals Hall of Famers is, is kind of small. <laughs> First one, the first one that comes to mind well, here, was George Brett. Yeah. You know who the next but, Royals Hall of Famer is going to be, technically? It's going to be Patrick Mahomes because he's a part <laughs> owner when he goes into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Yeah. Yeah. That's Zach, Zach, Zach Grinky. I'll give you Zach Grinky. Possibly. He'll be one of those Hall of Really Good that we're talking could, about. Yeah. Like I, think talking, he's, like the... I think he's standing outside on the steps. <laughs> I like it. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll bring up a couple questions here before before I let you go and let everybody go. But uh, I think you know from what I've been listening to and what Nate's told me, your stance on the steroid era and the steroid users and such like that, um, just kind of go over that. I, I'm I'm interested to know like your thought process behind all that. And you know, for me, I look at it and it's like you know, 
not first ballot hall of famers. That's fine. You know, and a lot, and we saw it with bonds. We saw it with, um, we're going to see with a rod. We're, we're going to see it with Clemens. It's like, you know, those guys aren't going to go and probably aren't going to go into the hall. They're probably not going to be voted in the veterans committee or anything like that. But, um, back to steroids, I'm intrigued to know your stance on that and, you know, why and why not. And just everything about that. That's, that's super fascinating to me with, from a voter's standpoint. Well, I'm going to bring up another controversial subject to explain my stance on steroids, and that's Pete Rose in the Hall of Fame. Mm. Uh, and my best friend in the world and I, uh, Gary is his name, we've had debates about Pete Rose. He loved Pete Rose. He, you know, he was a great player. I loved watching him play, too. But the whole enterprise of sports falls apart if the fan and anybody who's investing any kind of money in the business can't trust that it's on the up and up. And, you know, look what happened in the NBA with Tim Donahue, the referee who was, you know, fixing games, right? You know, it just, it, it kills credibility. So Pete Rose is betting on his team to win when he's managing them. And the argument for people who say, oh, that's no big deal was because he was betting on them to win. He may have also actually bet on them to lose, but let's put that aside yeah. and say he just just say he bet on them to win. Well, am I going to use my ace closer, Nate Green, tonight when I'm betting them to, to win? Yeah, and then I'm going to bet in the third game of the series, but in that middle game when I'm not making the bet, I'm going to hold Nate out so he's fully ready to go when I'm making – the bet on day three, it, it, you know, it affected everything. And that sign about not betting on the game is on the inside of every clubhouse door in English and Spanish in the major league. So there's, there's no excuse. Okay. So now shift it to steroids. When a player uses performance enhancing drugs, my argument has always been, he doesn't just cheat in the moment, you know, a hitter cheating against Billy Wagner and every other pitcher who's facing him. He cheats every player who played the game before him, and he cheats every player who comes after him. And that means that seven-year-old kid playing coach pitch in Orange County, California, or Memphis, Tennessee, that's going to make the majors, they've been cheated by the likes of Roger Clemens, you know, Barry Bonds, all of them. So, you know, just just do it the right way. And this the sad thing about Bonds is he was going to be a Hall of Famer 100%. without doing that. Yep. Yep. That's that we I mean, we say that all the time. It's like even well, we don't know about Clemens and when he started using it or when that happened. But yeah, you look at Bonds and for sure, like he's a probably a 500 home run, 500 stolen base guy without steroids, prolonged his career and all that stuff. And that's when he hit the 73 home runs, you know, when he was taking the steroids. So I I, I totally get that. And I respect the opinion um because you respect it which means you disagree with it <laughs> i know I, I, I mean right well he he does I, he would have voted for for bonds and clemens i will tell you that i look at that i and I, I, I i go like like a lot of um and we will we'll probably can bring up carlos beltran right now like slap in the wrist type of thing and also the fact that you know those guys without steroids are still hall of famers you know sure you want to put an asterisk next to it that's cool with me like you know, but you also have to respect the hall too. Like that's another spot that I think a lot of people forget nowadays is like, 
like I look at the NFL, the Hall of Fame, and it's like how many people get voted into that on a on a yearly basis. And I don't want that. If you're an offensive lineman and your team won the Super Bowl, you you're probably in there, right? Yeah. Like you play you played seven plus years in the NFL, you're probably a Hall of Famer, right? I mean, that's kind or of what it feels like. At best, yeah. Yeah, you're you're on the ballot, you know, and that's that's the cool thing with baseball is that like look at Scott Rowland is the only guy. I mean, McGriff got in too, but Scott Rowland was the only guy to get voted in this year. One guy. I mean, that's that's special to me. So I totally, I totally understand the, the, the aspect of, of that. It's tough for me. Like even looking at Pete Rose, it's tough. Like you have the best hitter of all time, not in, well, best pure hitter, I guess, uh, most hits not in the hall and, and, and little things. But he's recognized in the hall. (laughs) People, you know, I mean, and his accomplishments are recognized and the same for these other guys that are steroids. That's true. They're accomplished. You know, if if you did steroids, but you threw a no hitter or you did steroids, but you've got batting titles, they're recognized. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's like, go ahead, Nate. Go. I was just going to say, I, I had talked to him and kind of tried to get him to agree. Like if a, if you vote a steroid get, guy in the day after he dies, it might be okay. Cause then they don't ever know they get in, but they're <laughs> in like, we, we got to a place where it was like, you know what? Like, I think that's kind of funny and I might be okay with it. I, I don't know if Don's changed his mind on that, but like at one point he was kind of like, you know, like that's, that's actually kind of, I like the idea of making it a Shakespearean tragedy. I kind of do. I mean, at the end of the day, that's probably what they do with Pete Rose, to be honest. Like once, once, yeah, yeah, I I have a weird feeling. That's how it's going to end up being. Um, Regardless though, I I mentioned Carlos Beltran. That's another one. That's very interesting. A kind in a sense, a different circumstance. And we're going to see a lot more of that with other Astros, Jose Altuve is probably a borderline Hall of Famer. Who knows where um, what Bregman ends up being? Um, Carlos, like I said, Carlos Beltran, the first guy, first guy on that list. And I mean, if you want to bring pitchers into it, not that they benefited from it, but I mean, look at the pitchers. I mean, was Justin Verlander a part of it? Was Garrett Cole a part of it? They were borderline Hall of Famers that are going to be a part of that whole situation. I'm intrigued to know where you stand on on the whole Astros scandal and if those guys. You know, slapping the wrist to Beltran. Is he in on the next year? Because, I mean, he's a... Verlander wasn't there technically yet. Yeah. It was just cool. But... Yeah. The, um, I think part of how people feel about that depends on how how personal it is. And so, uh, in 2015, Royals had a, a nip and tuck series with the Astros and barely got out of it and advanced. And they went on and won the World Series for the first time in 30 years. Had they not made it, had they lost, and it came out a year later that, you know, the Astros were banging on the trash can and stealing the signs and all of that, you know, I'd have been out of my mind. Uh, It happened after that. And so, like, yeah, it bothers me. It bothers me a good deal. But it doesn't bother me as much as if my team had been personally cheated. And that's part of the whole problem with this is that, None of us, I don't think, take it as seriously as we should if it doesn't feel like it it was personal. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with that. And that, I said, for me, the cool thing, and I talk with uh, with our buddy, his name's Taylor Blake, word writer for the Angels now, and, and we both talk about it and we both, you know, mo- more so on the prospect side of things, always argue about like, oh, who's this, who's that? Like, and the last thing that we always say is like, it's cool that we can disagree on this. And and still like you know continue to be friends and continue to talk and we don't get in arguments so that's I mean steroids it's not politics right no exactly exactly <laughs> like that's the cool thing about it it's, it's just nice to have like a conversation um and it not get like totally heated because I I understand both sides of it like 
You know, you if I had an, a Hall of Fame vote, Nate, and I know you're the same way because you're on kind of the same page as me. I think we would look at it a lot more on the steroid side of things rather than like, oh, you know, sure, Bonds is in, sure, Clemens is in, you know, Manny as I'm. I have a video rolling here on my phone. Sure, Manny's in, you know, those type of guys, A-Rod. So I think we'd look at it a lot harder than what we do. And I think fans have to remember that too. Like, like we can say all we want on Twitter, but it's not signing that vote and uh, sending it into the hall and and having them vote. So I think it's a little bit, a little bit different. um, It is. And that's, that's why I gave it up. I mean, I was, uh, I had actually stopped covering baseball at that point. My job had changed and uh, I could have sneakily, maintain my hall of fame vote for who knows how long until I was found out, but I I didn't want to do that. Number one. And then number two, there were guys that were on the ballot that I had covered and I legitimately liked and respected in a lot of ways. Like, you know, that situation where you just lost a tough playoff game and the other big name guys hiding out in the training room and you're standing in front of your lock locker talking to reporters and asking the tough, answering the tough questions I always appreciated that. Well, you know, one or two of those guys I really wanted to vote for, and I didn't because in my mind, I was about 90% sure they had juiced. Mm. And that killed me. That took the fun out of it, to be honest with you. It it took the fun out of it, looking at all these guys that were either known steroid users or high probability steroid users. And then you get to another group that you're kind of 50-50 on, and it's like, wow, what do I what do I do with that? You know, now do I start not voting for guys who didn't and deserve it because somebody reported something that leaked them, linked them to something and it wasn't even true? I mean, it just it took all the joy out of it. Yeah, uh, definitely. I, I feel that. Nate, you got anything else for Don? I, I was just going to say, I, I know just Angels podcast. We got we got to bring it up real, real quick. Um you interviewed Eckstein when he was with the Cardinals. Um, you interviewed Edmonds when he was with the Cardinals. Any other – Jim Edmonds when he was with the Cardinals. Yeah, Any other ex-Angels? Like, um, w- what was, like, one of your – I know probably what the answer is, but what was one of your more fun uh, interviews with either ex-Angels or former – or, like, current Angels, whoever it was at the okay, time? So I got a great Eckstein story for you. I, I can't believe did, – did Matthew ever tell you this – Eckstein. That, that's kind of why I brought it up. But okay. yeah, so for listeners, uh, Matthew is my middle son. He played baseball with Nate at uh, Southeast Missouri State. So um, Matthew is playing competitive baseball. He's like nine years old. And David Eckstein, then a Cardinal, is his favorite player. Well, one of the coaches of the competitive team knew David really well. And so we're at a, a tournament down in Houston. And we're going to go see the Cardinals play the Astros one night. And I think we're on our way there or something. And that coach gets David Eckstein on the phone just to say hi to Matthew. And Matthew was so scared he wouldn't get on the phone (laughs) and talk to him, which I gave him great grief about over the years. You'll be happy to know. Okay, then fast forward it. And I think he's maybe his first year at SEMO. Okay. Might have been his redshirt year when he had Tommy John and we're on a little vacation over Thanksgiving in Nashville. And I'm doing a story for Cardinals magazine on somebody that has a connection to David Eckstein. I don't even remember who it, um, the outfielder that they traded last year, the center fielder Bader. Oh yes. I think, it was Bader. Bader. I think there was some connection there. So I end up 
they give me Eckstein's number and I get him on the phone and I say, hey, you're going to think this is absolutely crazy. And I tell him the story and Matthew gets on the phone and they talk for him. <laughs> <laughs> but he's a great guy. Yes. Oh yeah, no, I've I've met him a couple times here um, as well. Uh, just reporting on the Angels, and he's a fantastic, fantastic guy. Though both him and uh, both him and his brother, fantastic people, fantastic family. So that's uh, that's great to hear. I love I love that. Love hearing ex Angels as well. So yeah. Nate, you got anything else? No, I'm good. Do you got anything else? No, I'm good, Don. I appreciate it. You're yeah, still writing. You. You're still writing from what I heard, right? Uh, yeah, but these days I'm writing about murder and carjackings and fun things like that more. Well, 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 if any of our listeners like that, go check go check out Don and, and all that fun writing. I'm sure, actually, if you look up Don's name on Google, you can probably find some baseball articles on there as well from, from him. Alabama so, articles as well. Alabama, like, yeah. They're going to let me write. They actually want me to do a little bit of baseball I just uh, this summer, so just on the AAA team. So I may, I may do that. Keep my hand in just a little bit for old time's sake. Go Absolutely. Royals, right? <laughs> yeah it's kind of desperate but go royals <laughs> you can't you can't get away from it you can't get away from it so guys as always thank you so much for listening follow us on all our social medias twitter instagram and facebook shoot us a subscribe if you're on youtube um you can follow myself on twitter Jared underscore tim's nate at nate green 34 guys and thank you so much for listening have a great rest of your day mm-hmm.